Welcome, 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 everyone, to this episode of Tech Cars Machines. My name is Ali Tabibian, and I'm with GTK Partners. And you can find out more about me and the firm via the links in the episode notes. Now, the opening sound you heard this time, you may have noticed, is a little different from what you'd heard before. This time, what you heard was a Porsche 911. That's because today we're going to be talking to a member of the Volkswagen Group. And Volkswagen, one of the largest, if not in many years, the largest automobile producer in the world, owns a number of storied brands. Obviously Volkswagen, but also Audi and Porsche. And hence the sound you heard at the opening of this episode. In particular, we're going to be talking to a senior member of the Volkswagen of North America Electronic Research Labs. Now, that's a long way of saying this is Volkswagen's research arm in the United States in Silicon Valley. They've been here for about 20 years, and they're responsible for a number of firsts. For example, it was this unit that drove the first integration in a commercial vehicle of Google Maps and Google Earth, and they also sponsored a lot of success in the early autonomous car races that you hear about in this episode. Let's take a brief moment to talk about VW Group and give you a sense for the company overall. You remember a couple episodes ago, we talked about how big this industry was. Well, very few people represent that bigness any better than the VW Group. Here's some statistics, all of them which I find startling, even though I've been covering this industry for quite a while. $250 billion in revenues derived from the sale of 10 or 11 million vehicles, depending on which year you happen to be looking at. Over 600,000 employees in 120 different locations, selling cars in about 150 countries. Essentially, they're producing and selling and employing people everywhere. Generally, the VW Group winds up being tied for first with certainly Toyota and occasionally Renault, Nissan, and sometimes somebody else for the number one uh, for the for the top position in the number of units produced in any particular year. As another example, VW Group is about a third larger than each of Ford and General Motors. Massive, massive numbers, and definitely. Talking to this company will give you a really good idea of what's in store and where the major manufacturers are trying to take this industry. And most automotive manufacturers have a research facility now in Silicon Valley, and, and that particular facility has become increasingly important in their research universe to the future of their to the future direction of the technology in their vehicles. Generally, these labs, and especially in the case of the German auto manufacturers, are headed by someone who's on a rotation, typically about three years from the mothership. They obviously have a substantial permanent staff, a couple hundred in the case of Volkswagen ERL, just this particular unit here. And Chuhi Lee, who we're about to interview in this series, is the senior most permanent member of VW ERL. Now, with this type of scale, with the type of scale that VW has, what will be really interesting about the audio you're about to hear is that you'll notice that it doesn't really focus exclusively on automotive technologies, but that Chuhi and his team spend a lot of time thinking about driver experience. What is the definition of luxury? And how is the definition of luxury changing? And what is the future of human technology interaction? What is the association an individual wants to have between the vehicle and their lifestyle? I wanted to explain a few terms and acronyms that you'll hear during the interview so that you'll have some background when you get there. One is the DARPA challenge, D-A-R-P-A. DARPA stands for Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, and it's an arm of the United States Department of Defense that for quite some time, maybe getting close to 20 years now, has sponsored a very famous race where experimental vehicles and research teams and sometimes corporate sponsor teams come to show off their self-driving vehicles. Another phrase you'll hear is MMI. In particular, I think that phrase is used in connection with the Audi brand, and MMI stands for Multimedia Interface, and it generally refers to the infotainment dashboard and user experience inside that brand of vehicle. You'll hear a phrase called Audi On Demand, that's a experimental service at this point is, I think, the right way to, to call it, which is a combination car rental and valet service in a few major cities, including San Francisco, dedicated to the Audi brand and run by the VW Group. You'll also hear the term VAIL, kind of like the ski resort, V-A-I-L, and that stands for the VW Automotive Innovation Lab, which is 
uh, otherwise known as the Stanford Auto Lab, and it's an automotive research unit at that university. With that background, I hope you have a great time listening to the wisdom of Chuhi Lee of the Volkswagen North American Electronic Research Lab. Tech, cars, machines. Subscribe here or at techcarsmachines.com and gtkpartners.com. So we're here with Chuhi Lee of Volkswagen Electronic Research Labs. Chuhi, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Great. I know we've had some uh, great conversations one-on-one uh, -on -one before. I know you've been uh, attended our conferences, which we very much appreciate. And so I thought it would be great for a lot of our listeners to hear directly from you about many of the things that are uh, affecting the auto industry. Maybe take us through and just uh, tell us a bit about the genesis and the history of the electronic research labs here in uh, just south of San Francisco in Silicon Valley, and then give us a sense for which brands within the uh, very large Volkswagen um, uh, universe you interact mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, so the Volkswagen Group of America Electron Research Lab was founded about 20 years ago. So 1998 is the time when we had a first uh, couple of people from Germany sent to Silicon Valley to look into you know, what's happening um, you know, uh, in the valley. And if you go back in time 20 years uh, you know, from now, you find it, you know, this explosion of internet-based like, innovation and the internet is changing our lives and so on and so forth. So dot com boom, right? So basically, that's the time that uh, the ERL was founded. And the reason uh, for that foundation comes from the, uh, the high-level uh, management decision about the new electronic strategy within the Volkswagen Group. So um, the, uh, already back then, our management realized that most of the innovation will come from through the electronics, not from the traditional mechanical engineering that really drove the, the mainly the, the car uh, you know, industry. Um, uh, therefore, they were highly interested in especially in Silicon Valley, where all this kind of, you know, di digital uh, related stuff was happening. So that goes back about 20 years ago. We are mainly interacting with uh, three major brand brands within the Volkswagen Group. Volkswagen Group has, you know, a total of 13 brands, uh, but uh, the, the main one that uh, this office is uh, mainly engaged with is Volkswagen brand, a car brand, and the, you know, Porsche, and also uh, Audi. These are the three major brands that we work with. However, you know, our collaboration goes to other brands. Like we do have small projects with, uh, you know, Bentley. We had some projects with uh, Bugatti in the past. Even Lamborghini, uh, we had a project. Skoda, which is not even the U.S. Uh, market, uh, very strong in, in Europe and in other parts. Uh, we also do have some projects like those brands as well. Excellent. And if I recall correctly, one of the interesting things about ERL is it's a combination of projects that are sponsored by the business units and projects that are uh, basically chosen by the unit itself to, uh, to work on, which I think is a little different from the other, uh, certainly from the German-related auto labs, which are more sort of um, directed from, from back in Germany. Do I have that right? And if I do, explain that a, yes. a little so bit, Yes, so at the beginning when the, uh, the lab was founded about 20 years ago, it was mainly doing tech scouting. So there was a, you know, basic funding to do tech scouting, meaning that you know, the team had a great freedom because they were simply saying, hey, we are here in, mainly in Germany in, in the headquarters, but we'd like to know like, what's happening in Silicon Valley and what's happening. Actually, we also have a research laboratory in, in Tokyo. We have other you know, places, uh, uh, obviously in Europe, but also like presence in Israel and so on and so forth. So, uh, but at least you know, mainly from Silicon Valley, they wanted to know what was going on. Therefore, we started with such a you know, freedom. And I joined uh, the ERL in 2002 uh, at the beginning of the expansion of the uh, Volkswagen's presence in Silicon Valley. Because before tw uh, 2002, uh, there were only three people writing some newsletters of what's happening, what they observe in the, in the valley. But in 2002, uh, the board decided to actually grow the uh, presence by hiring local engineers and designers to be able to build the functional prototype before we can actually kind of s tell them, hey, we found this like shiny new object, why don't you take a look at it? 
because if you're in a you know serious uh, uh, serious development, it's very hard to do like say innovation at the same time. Uh, if you're already kind of engaging to some startup production for the next goal for next you know Audi A4, I mean you're really f putting all your focus into that. Therefore, if I just go there, say, hey, why don't you look uh, you know a company like you know Google or some search engine? They will say. Uh, that's great, but how relevant is that for me right now to look into them? Therefore, uh, the strategy was to be able to really not only identify, discover new technologies, but being able to uh, really build a functional prototype so that we can do much better uh, evaluation of you know those you know, companies and technologies. Um, um, so that's the kind of uh, the, the beginning where we had our funding pretty much like very with freedom to um, do projects on our own. Uh, and uh, uh, pr uh, present those results you know, back to Germany. But around the 2005 timeframe, uh, we were being asked about, hey, we've been already investing for quite you know, many years uh, for, from Germany in, in quite expensive Silicon Valley, what is return on investment? And return on investment is not about like, you know, how many companies or how many prototypes I built. It's really you know, the impact to the product. So we started looking into more of our uh, project portfolio and identify how many of those can actually you know, have a real, uh, uh, let's say, uh, uh, path to the actual product impact. So examples like Google Earth navigation, which was actually we started in 2005 when after Google you know, acquired uh, you know, Keyhole and, and rebranded the Google Earth and launched the you know, desktop version of it, we imagined the world with like, hey, what about the, the entire in vehicle navigation is like offload and not like online and not like you know, on board. The in vehicle right? navigation. In vehicle navigation. In vehicle. Right, and right. this is like 2005, before the 2007, you know, the famous year of the iPhone, right? Right. So right. like, you know, uh, like people who had navigation was like maybe your uh, personal navigation device that you might even remember before the, uh, the, the smartphone era that people had the dedicated like small consumer electronic devices or have a quite a expensive you know, in-vehicle uh, like a navigation system. But you're still like updating your data using your CD or DVDs and, and they're not really connected. But when, once we saw the Google Earth in the navigation, uh, like for the desktop version, we imagined the world of having the completely uh, you know, um, uh, online navigation system. So that was the Google online navigation project that we started in 2005. And then we showed at the CES in, in 2006. And from there, we uh, worked on the actual development of project here at DRL to launch the product. A production version of the Google Earth embedded the first time in the auto industry to really have that in the in, in the vehicle, and that was the uh, uh, the, the previous generation of the uh, Audi A8. That's interesting. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I I hadn't realized it had such a long history. In fact, uh, uh, in my Audi, I have a Q5 today, and I was uh, I noticed the Google Earth uh, integration, and it still gives you a choice: do you want Google Earth or, or not? Yes. And I didn't realize there was that yes. long a history. You're well ahead, like yeah, you said. Uh, imagine if you have to store all the satellite imagery. It's not about the you know uh, the the map database you know up to date. Okay, that's uh, um, you know you know one thing. But uh, the Google Earth shines because you know it gives you those like gorgeous looking satellite imagery to help you to also orient yourself a little bit better. You know, like where the mountains are and then what, you know, the, the buildings kind of in around. Uh, therefore, uh, and, and these are all from different levels of the zoom, right? You can go to like 30 you know, yard to like, you know, like a five, 10, 15 kilometers. And you cannot really store that in any onboard system. So you definitely need the server. Uh, today, we, everybody you know, talks about the cloud, right? It's about the cloud, you know, connected cloud computing. Already like 2005, without even you know calling it the cloud, that was like you know like a server-based online navigation system is something that we actually introduced, and we are very proud of that. That's incredible. That was probably the connectivity solution was what a 2G network at that point, probably. The right. the time that it was launched in 2009, 3G was uh, really just it just started out there. So yeah, like a, you know a 3G, uh, we, we we took uh, advantage of the 3G cellular. A network. So Chuhi, that great example, I think, touches on two areas of focus of ERL. One is uh, infotainment, which is probably that navigation probably in your nomenclature sits under infotainment, and also connectivity. Maybe touch on other areas of focus at ERL, and then we can come back and talk about um, 
uh, talk about each of the yes, absolutely. The so this you know connected infotainment or connected car is one you know very strong pillar of the URL with very long history. Another long history is uh, also back in uh, uh, 2005 with the DARPA Grand Challenge. That's when the U.S. Uh, you know defense uh, research agency. Uh, put out actually started already in 2004, saying that hey, we want to give like one million dollar for the team who can actually go through this, you know, uh, the, through the desert. And then the very first, uh, you know, challenge that they put out there, like a, there was no winner because nobody could make more than like you know, like 30 meters or something like this. So in the in the second time when they actually double uh, the price to two million dollar. Um, um, you know, Stanford uh, back then with uh, Sebastian Trun from uh, their AI lab, uh, Stanford actually decided to uh, participate in the in the race and asked us if we uh, could be a corporate you know, sponsor. Therefore, we had uh, uh, the um, uh, you know race speaker called uh, Stanley, and that is uh, the, one of the early uh, version of the Turek, uh, and uh, we worked together with uh, Stanford to. Uh, really uh, joined that you know grand challenge, and luckily we actually you know the team won, and uh, and uh, so our history in the autonomous driving goes back in uh, you know already like in, in starting in 2004, and after that we did the uh, you know urban challenge in 2007, we did the Audi Pax Peak uh, you know around uh, you know 2009 or 2010 timeframe, and to more recently a couple of years ago we drove uh, uh, um, uh, an Audi called we named Jack uh, from Palo Alto to Las Vegas for the CES. So that's uh, another you know, big uh, area where the ERL uh, is very proud to be able to work with all our um, um, uh, you know, colleagues from Germany, from Groove Research, from Audi brand, from the Volkswagen, to really uh, make those you know, important milestones. Great. So we have infotainment, connectivity, autonomy. Any other segments? Yes. Uh, more recently, we've been uh, looking into uh, 3D uh, printing technologies. Um, um, especially for the 3D technology that can actually do mass production. We've been using 3D printers for a long time for our own prototyping, but uh, we've uh, been um, recently looking into you know, other uh, actually technology that enables like, you know, a speed and scale where you can actually do 3D manufactured uh, of, of uh, like vehicle parts that can go directly into a product and not just kind of have that as a, a um, you know, like a you know prototype uh, stage. So we do actually have uh, one of the you know three uh, D printers from uh, one of our you know partner companies actually in our building, and we we're uh, you know uh, 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 printing out the actual vehicle parts for uh, you know uh, different type of uh, let's say evaluation to see like if that actually meets our you know quality requirement and so on and so forth. And this is very interesting because once uh, the the 3D printing goes into those kind of you know mass uh, production, uh, you can really imagine the world where things can be highly personalized, but at the um, like a you know like a mass market like a scale. The the, the challenge of personalization is well. It, what you like might not be the same as what I like, right? So, so if I leave what you like is, you know, one, and what I like is to look different. If the tooling has to be differently, then it's like very expensive. But imagine if it's in a three D, like in a printing part that allows even even this in the same printer that can actually have a parts that optimize for your like or what like like trim pieces. Remember, like imagine that I can have a like a door, like a trim piece, like with my names on it or the initials on it. That's uh, really somewhat, you know, like exactly affordable, or that I can even change depending on my mood. Uh, it will be a really interesting, uh, you know, like business value proposition. So we're looking into those uh, 3D printing capabilities. You know, in this country, there's an enormous aftermarket industry that does just those things. You know, either just the aesthetic modification after the fact, or even let's say adding your favorite sports team's logo into the, into the seats and all that, the margins of that business are, are, are enormous. So it's a good business to be, um, to be focused on. Chuit, let me ask you this. You cover a lot of price points. If I think of Volkswagen, Porsche, uh, Audi, Porsche, and then eventually some of the other even higher end brands that you mentioned, what is the, uh, is there a difference between how how individuals in that in those different price points consume the types of things that ERL touches on. For example, are they all essentially primarily looking for a better stereo, or is it the case that the person who buys the uh, the Bentley um, for some reason is much more uh, focused on autonomy and safety features? 
I think there are like certain needs of the customer, which is universal regardless of you know how much they can afford, right? Like having a very safe and reliable you know like a car. I think this is like universal regardless of the. Uh, what price point? Uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, the higher end the car can save life, and the others not. I, I, we, we don't. You know, we want to make all our product to really save. Uh, you know, you know, lives and and so on and so forth. So uh, there are certain things that we believe this is more about kind of uh, you know the, the baseline. But the uh, like. Even the, the the definition of a luxury, especially in in more kind of you know recent days, I believe that it's very interesting to kind of define what that actually is, because in the traditional sense of the luxury was like very much of a, like handcrafted, like leather wrapped something or very much of a high-end, like, you know, like high-fidelity audio, like mm -hmm. sound and, and 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 things like this. So uh, there was a lot more kind of the the, the physical aspect, but today we're living most also like digital lifestyle. So like for example, let's put an example on an, an iPhone. Yes, iPhone is also a very desirable item. Everybody needs a, a phone and, and, and wants to have a you know, phone. And, and, and by the way, like, uh, you know, iPhone can be in the, in the luxury, but is that really like a luxury item? Uh, or maybe the case makes you kind of to, to stand out that you're actually, you know, uh, more luxurious than the, the same iPhone that I was also able to buy through whatever, like two-year plan out of AT&T or somebody. So it's, uh, it's uh, quite uh, different in terms of like, defining luxury into the digital, not only the hardware, let's look into the, the software, the apps that I can have you know, in my uh, phone and in your phone. So uh, we don't know what the you know, final answer to it, but at least it is interesting to see you know, how, especially also the, uh, the newer generation of the highly affluent you know, people define their own luxury. Maybe for the luxury for them is just to have more of their own time, maybe have much more personalization is the kind of a um, interpretation of the uh, luxury. So, so like, you know, freedom and then uh, and that kind of uh, uh, being able to express, uh, you know, yourself more than just a, a like status symbol that it used to be, like kind of having a, you know, like, you know, like a Bentley emblem, like in front of the car is all, you know, that person must be very successful. But uh, with the phones, I mean, you might have a phone, I have my phone, we just put our both iPhones on the table. It, it might not be that easy. So uh, this is kind of a interesting topic that we looked into, look, look at into and try to figure out like, how can we provide then uh, this type of, let's say, freedom and then uh, that's uh, the sense of uh, you know, personalization into our new product. So, you know, uh, uh, Volkswagen Group, uh, we do have uh, certain technology modules uh, that's led by, uh, you know, one of the, uh, the, the brands. Uh, and, and, and this is the, uh, to really, you know, uh, maximize our synergy within the group. You know, we do have uh, so much, uh, you know, development, uh, you know, capabilities, you know, from, uh, you know, different brands. And we try to have, uh, you know, different, uh, let's say, lead of the topic, either like uh, uh, electrification, uh, like, you know, automation, uh, or even, you know, some, some other, you know, aspect uh, to uh, really, you know, define this enabling technology modules that any brand actor can use as a toolkit. And then let's say I'm, I'm a Bentley or a Bugatti for very like ultra you know, luxury, very special kind of you know, customer segment, I can actually build uh, you know, my product on top of those you know, you know, basic uh, like, you know, modules. So uh, that's another uh, you know, point of uh, the, the Volkswagen uh, you know, group's uh, you know, strengths, to be able to adapt to like, ever-changing, you know, the customer expectation across all segments of from volume to very much of a high-end, uh, like, ultra-luxury. That's, that's a very, very good uh, description. I appreciate that. And it's fascinating that if you look at the app example you gave, how often you wind up getting the app for free, but if you want to customize the picture, customize the background, customize the, the color pattern, that's, your, that's what you wind up paying for. Uh, and it's interesting because you seem to be saying that a lot of the customers, um, that's a potential uh, path uh, for them to, to purchase additional capabilities inside the vehicle. And it's mainly about the customization of that interaction and feature. Did I understand you correctly? Yes. And, and, and uh, um, someone you know, told me that if you're like really at the top notch of like very, you know, ultra, let's say rich uh, level, then they don't want to even carry a phone. So the luxury here is not 
you know, really, you know, not to have, not to really have that uh, the need to you know, carry a phone because it's all taken care of by your, let's say, assistant or somebody else, your staff, right? So in, in that, so, so imagine that, like, you know, today we are talking about, yes, let's say, does my phone have a brighter screen, more resolution than yours? And, you know, we, we kind of look into the, you know, who paid more for the phone. But if you pass certain level, Maybe it's not about actually the, having the phone, the, the luxury, the, the most expensive one you know, in the world. Actually, not having to carry a phone is the true luxury. So it's very interesting how you know, people also you know, uh, like find themselves. And then again, this is like really like peace of mind or like not having to worry about anything is it becomes a definition of the luxury and not like what you have is actually the you know, luxury. I see. So the connectivity, some of the sensing, et cetera, let's say, is used to deliver a managed service. Uh, instead of helping you maintain your own vehicle, for example, it becomes yes. an embracing service yes. and you have the least amount of interaction with the vehicle yes. itself is actually In the you're... early days of internet, there were, were like kind of, let's say, when the Yahoo was actually indexing all the web pages. There were like, let's say, you know, 1.5 million websites that, you know, Yahoo was able to categorize in sports and so on and so forth. Today, we have 2 million apps in the App Store um, of, uh, you know, iOS or 2 million apps in Android, roughly speaking. And how... You browse them when you go to the App Store. It's by category. It's almost like in the how the web pages were categorized, like you know, like 15 years ago or 20 years ago, you know, from 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 Yahoo. But then what happened with the Yahoo's model of that category came along Google's one single search bar, and it was much easier to kind of type in what you want, find out rather than going into the category and trying to kind of find the web page that you want. Same, you know, uh, phenomenon for the, 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 the app store market. It's like you, you go through the browsing, but what's happening? All this digital assistant is actually trying to answer the question or they try to do, provide a service that you want directly rather than you going through the app store and downloading the app that you want and so on and so forth. And they're, you know, making this like digital assistant to develop more and more so-called skill set, which is basically the you know, concept of downloading an app. So this this whole like uh, the use of the AI to uh, the automate and then and really being able to get you directly to the let's say service or the maybe a goods that you want to have it's becoming more of the the actual let's say desire uh, you know the the, the item than um, you know what used to kind of we used to work before. Does that make sense? It it makes a lot of sense. Interesting. I'm I'm a subscriber to a subscriber to Audi on demand, and one of the great things about it. I don't take care of the car. It gets dropped off and it get picked and it's picked up. And honestly, it's much more expensive in a lot of ways than owning the vehicle. <laughs> but I'm paying for uh, a lot of the things that you were just describing. Yeah. Or like, uh, let's take an example of the silver car, which is owned by you know the, the Audi of America. And the silver car is another example of really uh, uh, providing a different type of user experience when it comes to the rental vehicle. But the rental car, like, you know, typical, what do you do? Like when you, you know, arrive in an airport, you go to the rental place and you find the car and then get out and so on and so forth. With the, you know, uh, the silver car, the proposition is like, yes, to begin with, you have all the same, like, you know, silver Audis. So you know exactly, you know, what kind of, like, you know, car you're going to get. Oh, so it's called silver because all the cars yes. are silver yes. when you, okay. Yes, okay. yes. And then, uh, you know, it's like really, you know, like hassle-free. You just, you know, go uh, into the car with the app. They can unlock it, you get it, and drive and drop it up. So it's like really like, you know, going through that kind of not to necessarily having the user to manage many of the kind of steps or, or points uh, can be a really good, uh, you know, selling point where a lot of service itself starts to become more of a commodity because everybody can actually maybe offer similar, let's say, service. But what's going to really make a difference is the user experience itself, right? How can we really eliminate all the friction points that you might encounter in that, let's say, transaction? And if I'm really good at eliminating all that friction point, I'm probably, you know, the one that you'll be probably, you know, happy even to even spend some more money on, on, on my uh, product and service. How much of that Audi MMI, uh, the, the, the interface, was developed here at ERL, what components were of it? How, how was that done? Yeah, we didn't uh, uh, develop on the, the, the hardware of the, the, uh, the, the MMI, uh, but in terms of the uh, like a product contribution, uh, Google Earth navigation that I mentioned, it's, it's a one very concrete one, and later on, we also brought online speech uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, services. 
so that you can actually search the PO. I mean, it's, today it's so common that you can just, you know, you know, like ask, like, you know, Siri or Alexa for the, some POI. I'm talking about also, like, you know, 2009 timeframe, uh, 11 actually in the car to have an embedded online like server-based speech you know you know recognition to search the, the POIs. So this is a very also you know industry first where we actually make the the impact. And even the uh, Google uh, like a strip view that we were able to you know you know offer. So these are the really uh, the, the projects that uh, ERI was able to um, uh, push there. Uh, but this might be a little bit you know quite old because I'm talking about 2009 and 11 timeframe. But more recently uh, we uh, worked on a, a product uh, called the predictive navigation, uh, and that's where you can act. we have an algorithm like in the current navigation system that monitors the places that you actually uh, drive. So if you opt in for the service, the next time uh, that you uh, come into the car in the navigation system, it will give you a three most likely places that you will be driving to. And the difference to you know, what you find in your phone, because your phone also kind of pops you, like pop, pop up uh, gives you the you know the places that you might be driving to um, um, the, the phone gives you the um, information based on your final destination in our case we actually look into that um, even more closely and, and our uh, calculation of the uh, you know traffic and so on is based on the actual route that you usually take and not only based on the destination and try to calculate the route that you might take so this is based on the actual, you know, uh, the route that you take compared to some like, you know, let's say calculated in a version. So it, it's a lot more personalized in that sense. It's interesting. For me, when I, uh, when I get into an Audi, the work and the tradition of that MMI and all the interface and all the componentry is very clear. Even today, uh, I know speech recognition has been, you know, around for a long time. I'm always impressed with how good the quality of the speech recognition is. You know, I, I, as, a, as an example, I said today, I said, go to 500 Clipper Drive, drive me to 500 Clipper Drive, Belmont, California, and it was flawless. And I don't always have that experience um, in vehicles. What is your view or the group's view on what should be developed internally and what should really be sourced externally? With this kind of volume, are you more biased toward owning the solution than just uh, uh, integrating it? It'll be a little bit hard for me to speak you know, for the whole group, but at least I can tell you a little bit about you know how we approach from the URL, from this office in Silicon mm -hmm. Valley, uh, because it's also you know continuous uh, question to ourselves to say like you know should we use you know uh, um, uh, something that's already existing uh, you know out there or should we develop on our own, right? So should we buy one or should we kind of you know uh, make on our own? And when it comes to the actual let's say algorithms that affects the, uh, the user experience and also, uh, you know, touches the customer behavior, like kind of the, the data, uh, we'd like to actually, you know, have much more insight and even, um, uh, let's say, control in over those. So it depends, like if somebody can really give me the, you know, full, uh, like, you know, service of exactly what we want, then yes, it might be even like business-wide, you know, let's say, economically more viable than that, but usually, you know, there is no such thing. Like when you're really in developing on your own, like a product and you're defining your own user experience, you start kind of doing a lot of, you know, tweaking and, and changes. Um, so we, even here at the ERL, developed our own uh, digital agent but using all the tools that's existing. We didn't actually reinvent, for example, things like you know, speech recognizers or any you know, other things like that you can actually buy. But uh, the, the, the intelligent like, you know, layer to understand, once we understand your intent, and being able to connect that with the actual like, in-vehicle like, actuator or any type of uh, um, um, you know, like a service like you know, fulfillment, it's something that we would like to kind of uh, hold on our hands. Um, so that we can actually, you know, uh, define and have, you know, ownership about the user experience. Even this predictive navigation example that I mentioned to you, we uh, developed that algorithm in-house. And um, the beauty of it is, like, whenever, you know, we see as we actually get, uh, you know, data over the, the usage, we can make our algorithm to become a better and better. 
And this whole like in, like intelligence and then or the ownership of that, that that AI needs to stay in house rather than you know having a dependency. That's also like a little bit of your strategic positioning. Like, do I want to be a dependent on somebody else uh, to have this part of the core, let's say, uh, selling point of the user experience and also you know understanding the you know, data point uh, like a customer data point, or do I really want to be able to have like much more? Uh, let's say, uh, full oversight on it. It doesn't mean that every single bit is just invented like in-house, but the, uh, 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 being able to, to, to manage the stack and understand it uh, will really make, um, uh, I think, the, uh, um, you know, one brand or you know, one company to stand out uh, you know, compared to others. Shuhi, one thing that we've heard a lot from both the auto uh, OEMs themselves, um, and uh, really the uh, the um, tier one suppliers more than anybody else. And I would just want to see if it matches your own views. Consumers care about standard safety features. They compare standard safety features when they buy a vehicle, but generally they're not paying for optional safety uh, equipment. Uh, for example, some of the advanced collision uh, assistance, uh, especially when it's integrated with modest self-driving capabilities that most of the OEMs have, that those generally are flagship type of options that they help to sort of really present the brand and show off the brand, but they're not frequently selected options on the part of the consumer. Is that, is that consistent with what you've seen as well? I don't have all the uh, data of like, you know, how, uh, what are the, the options that's being selected or not. I can you know connect you to our like you know sales and <laughs> other uh, departments uh, you know for the the, the details. But uh, what I can uh, imagine is the, the the customer expectation of like you know paying for something that uh, the, the the two types of things I believe that uh, it'll be important at least you know for me you know, putting myself as a, in a consumer. If I use a feature at least you know twice a day, it might be worthwhile to kind of pay some money. If it's something that I just pay as a more one, let's say insurance, hoping that it will never happen, like let's say like you know like airbags or you know something like this. Um, uh, yes, there are certain point that you want to make it part of. Okay, I want to just check off so that you know I can let's say cover my basic insurance. But the, when it comes to also your even insurance offering, what other options do you like to kind of you know get into that? So uh, the way that I, I, I like to see is. It's not so much of like you know if people want to you know like pay for this like single um, uh, let's say you know feature or not. It, it needs to be a little bit more kind of can I offer you uh, a, a product uh, uh, with the settings that matches with your lifestyle? Imagine like let's say it's a family maybe a new in a couple who got a new newborn. Yes, their attention and their lifestyle is pretty much very well you know around this like newborn like a baby. And I can have maybe a, like a, not only the, a product, but even the like service you know, offering of uh, let's say uh, like a like a product with like integrated like you know chassis, even like you know the monitoring. Uh, there might be higher chance, I guess, for me. I'm just speculating a little bit, but that you know maybe that for that couple for that moment, it might be much you know uh, more appealing that I can just simply say, yeah, would you like to buy like automatic braking and so on, like. Like, what does it really do, you know, for me? So can I actually, you know, make it some kind of, you know, packages more, like, you know, appealing to the lifestyle and the, the individual's uh, need rather than just having some almost like, uh, uh, like a survey, you know, style, like, like check this box if we want it, you know, or not. That's, uh, it's interesting you say it that way. It's consistent with uh, what we've heard too. For example, blind spot assist. First of all, it's a few hundred bucks instead of a two or three thousand, but people are interacting with it all the time. So they, so they select that feature. But the feature that's going to save them you know, once in a lifetime, when, they're, when you're cost constrained at all, you'll buy the better stereo or the blind spot assist or, or, or something. Chewie, on the autonomy side, you brought up the DARPA challenge and your participation in 05. And I think actually the Stanford Auto Lab is actually a Volkswagen branded auto lab, essentially, if I'm not uh, the Bayer, mistaken. The Volkswagen Automotive Innovation Laboratory. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. So. So it's about 13 years from the time when those experimental vehicles essentially could complete a course uh, that laid out, laid out by DARPA to the point today where most of the, the car can do most of the pedal work in sort of straight ahead conditions and do some of the, some of the steering in, in fairly simple driving conditions. What's your view on within the constraints of cost and form factor of a typical consumer vehicle? 
What's your view on how many more years before sort of George Jetson's uh, car, the car that drives itself, is, is much more of a reality than it is uh, today? Yeah, I, I do get uh, this answer, you know, quite often. Like the answer could be sometimes, or say, you know, how long would it take, uh, you know, for a you know, car company to have a car that can be autonomous, you know, and so on and so forth. And the 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 answer is straightforward. Uh, no, no, the question is straightforward, but the answer is like always a little bit more, you know, complicated. Uh, sometimes uh, I, uh, you know, actually, you know, give an answer like it's, you know, uh, the question about uh, where then when. Because, you know, based on the, those you know, conditions, for example, we are talking about the highway only, you know, yes, we do have a certain level of, you know, uh, automation already, you know, there for certain speed limits. So uh, there is this like more about, you know, gradual incremental introduction mm -hmm. of the, the, the autonomy. Um, 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 so, for example, today in, uh, in Audi Q7 and other uh, more, you know, recent, um, you know, the Audi, like maybe, I'm not sure which model year, but the new also Q5 has it. It's a traffic jam pilot. It's like, you know, if you're just stuck in, in traffic jam, it, it already kind of steers for you. It's, you know, going to this like, so it is somewhat autonomous. Yes, we still require you to pay attention, you know, to what's, you know, happening as a, uh, the overall responsible, uh, you know, person on it. So there, there is uh, this type of already introduction that we see today, and uh, in in the in the going for from you know like a year by year, you will start also seeing you know also even more and more autonomy coming as a, you know naturally. So it's very hard to kind of answer that simple question without kind of defining what type of autonomy, like you know what type of you know, the, the the condition. Yeah. So let's say good weather mm -hmm. from entry into the highway through exit from the highway where I can theoretically, you know, take a nap, right? How, how long uh, before, before that's the case? Mm -hmm. So you say like you want to take a nap, which, which means that, you know, you want to really make it like rely on the car to, you know, you know give the, 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 the full culture. That's going to take obviously much longer than, you know, you uh, having to actually, you know, like, like say uh, monitor the car or take over the car. And then I can really give you like, if it's like 10 years, eight years, uh, to be honest, I don't have uh, that, that, that answer. But obviously, you know, the, that is a little bit of a, uh, not only the technology uh, constraint, but also the how the, the regulatory and societal acceptance, uh, we, you know, will be. Th that's why it's also, you know, hard to, um, you know, give an, an answer. Maybe from the technology, from the laboratories, yes, we can just say that, yes, let the car loose. And, uh, and we even, you know, drove experimentally from Palo Alto to Las Vegas in a very long time period, uh, you know, with the journalists in there and, and so on and so forth. So, I mean, you can have, let's say, this type of, uh, you know, demonstration in other cases. But just, you know, making sure that, you know, there will be uh, already like, you know, uh, the whole reliability things sorted out when things in, come into an accident. And if actually, you know, like people would actually accept that in the same highway that you're driving a non-automated car, that there's another automated car, like without actually driver monitoring on it, would you accept it or not? So there's a lot of other kind of related topics that makes this whole timeline to be much more, a uh, little bit unpredictable, but we're all working toward, you know, uh, introduction of uh, this technology as, as soon as possible. So if you don't mind, let me, let me tighten up the constraint a little bit. Let's say nothing unusual, no sort of earthquakes, fires, accidents, uh, stuff like that on that same stretch of highway. And let's just make it a five mile, um, five to 10 mile distance from the point you get on the highway to the point you leave the highway. So people will be changing lanes, they'll be, accelerating, decelerating, sometimes, you know, a little unpredictably. There, you'll have to manage traffic merging in. Uh, occasionally, you'll have to automatically change lanes and, and, and uh, accelerate past the car in front of you. How long before a typical five or 10 mile stretch yeah, of that can I, be I, This will be like interest. kind of an endless game because I, 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 yeah, because okay. I'll be telling, you know, you know, saying, uh, okay, that's kind of, you know, interesting you know whatever you know constraint but again like what type of like a you know failure and then what is the kind of uh, the accepted uh, let's say you know even regulatory uh, like you know rules that i can release a product with certain level of you know the failure rate or not i mean this is like quite complicated so we can just go like like all day long trying to argue each other like what type of you know constraints and then you can just you know put something but again like just looking at the demo yes like demo you see many demos like today if you want to grab one of the even, uh, let's say, uh, like, you know, Google cars and close your eyes and for, you know, five miles, I mean, 
I'm sure that it might work. Hopefully, you know, you don't, don't get into accident. But what you're asking is that that's when probably without any accident, probably guaranteed. And that is much harder to kind of, you know, predict uh, like what uh, level of, uh, you know, let's say that uh, that every like puzzle needs to come into the place to be able to kind of answer that question. Therefore, sorry, not having an answer for that. I'm, I'm glad you, you, uh, you said what you did. And I apologize for maybe taking the game a little bit too far, but I wanted people to hear the insights directly from an expert in the field. Because if you just read newspaper articles, you think that this stuff is around the corner and nobody will have a driving job in, in two years, right? And that's not really the case. In fact, we did a pretty extensive study for the insurance companies about two and a half years ago. Uh, talked to people like yourselves you know, from a lot of different things. And basically, just even from a technical point of view, people said, I can't even really give you a good answer for five years. This is two and a half years ago. We just don't really, uh, don't really know what that, uh, what that environment is. Let me um, maybe start. I don't want to overstay our welcome here. Let me maybe start by asking you to comment, whether it be on autonomy, artificial intelligence, changing customer preferences. What's, uh, do you see any inflection points um, that have either happened recently or are coming up in the future? Is there a breakthrough in AI technology in the cost or capabilities of autonomy componentry or dramatic changes in how, let's say, millennials like to consume vehicles that, that have really caught your attention? I think this, uh, the whole notion of uh, artificial intelligence, you know, uh, uh, being already like here, uh, when it comes to, let's say, non-safety or, you know, related topics like um, digital, digital assistant, I mean, we're already living, you know, this era of having digital assistant. You, know, you might have uh, even Amazon Echo or the, you know, Google Home and, uh, like uh, Apple, you know, like a pod, like they're like, you know, this digital assistant already uh, in, in our lives through our smartphones and, you know, other things um, uh, and, and like this. And when I look into this more into, the, you know, from the perspective of mobility, how, it's not about, the, you know, what kind of car that, you know, we want to build for the future. We need to think about and we're really looking into the, like, you know, how does the, the future mobility needs could look like? And, 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 and if we, we look into this, uh, the whole um, uh, almost like an explosion of the, the AI-based application from autonomous driving car to digital assistant to like, you know, business like intelligence, you know, robot and, and data and analytics, I, I think the, the in, in the future, the either we will go into the future where no mobility is needed at all because maybe everything will just come to you and you don't even have to travel because the virtual reality will be so good that you don't actually you know, you know, physically you know, move. Um, or uh, I'm more a believer that we will be still, you know, uh, even in that case, appreciating, appreciating more the actual physical movements and then physical, let's say, meeting or like actually, you know, being to Hawaii, like personally versus, you know, having these like a virtual reality goggles and feels like I'm in Hawaii, but I'm not really in Hawaii. So there will still be a continuous need for mobility. And now the desire for the mobility might be evolving. Therefore, we need to really incorporate technologies like 3D printer, the AR, VR, and, and, and even the, the AI and everything to be able to provide, you know, uh, not only the product, but also the service from the Volkswagen Group that I can make your every journey enjoyable one. So that's uh, how I see. Right. right, and that could, and that's a very that's a fluctuating target to hit, right? Sometimes it can be congestion in urban areas that are suddenly increasing. That requires one set of services, and some of them, like you said, it's the question of I don't mind sitting in traffic, but I want to be dissociated from the. Uh, I want to be able to do everything I can in my own in my own office. That's a really uh, a really good point. Uh, Chuy, let me uh, start maybe wrapping up by offering you up. Sometime, is there anything else you'd like to mention? A question that uh, that we should have discussed? Uh, something that ERL is doing that you'd really like to uh, go back and point out? Uh, anything like that that we need to cover? So this year is our 20 years anniversary here uh, in Silicon Valley. So we are asking questions to ourselves, I'm lo looking back the past 20 years of you know uh, how you know we been you know part of a Silicon Valley and you know things that we actually were able to uh, you know contribute uh, you know back to uh, the, the Volkswagen Group like what is in the next 20 years and it goes back a little bit of all those 
uh, let's say uh, technologies that I mentioned about the, from the 3D printing to uh, 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 you know the, the, the whole AI and maybe new materials there will be obviously a breakthrough even in battery technologies that you know we will have much higher dense like uh, like energy and, 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 and so on and so forth uh, uh, and and really uh, being able to uh, uh, continuously be, you know, an integral, uh, let's say, part of the Silicon Valley community because it's very different to be in Silicon Valley as a tourist compared to a, a real, you know, Silicon Valley, uh, let's say, uh, a community member. And then we do, we believe that we do have a, you know, good, uh, let's say, track record of you know, demonstrating that, you know, we are, you know, more about, you know, the community member than uh, than, than tourist. Uh, and uh, really leverage that uh, factor to be able to uh, really have a high impact of the Volkswagen Group of you know uh, defining the, the the new mobility experience that we can actually offer. So that's something that we are, you know we are actually having at some uh, internal uh, reflection points of just kind of looking back of the, 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 those twenty years and looking uh, into the future in the, the next uh, you know twenty years and we are. Um, uh, more engaged than even before because it's you know quite a milestone to really spend uh, uh, some time as an uh, uh, let's say uh, an office outside of the, the mothership and but at the same time being able to have a high impact uh, like you know like a, a product uh, input. So we we would love to be able to actually continue to do that even more uh, than than before and that's what we are really uh, excited about. You know, Chewie, I've always been struck by how driver centric you are. You know, you're obviously an accomplished technologist and a couple hundred, few hundred people here working here, but you always have the driver very, very strongly in mind. And that's always been striking to me. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to make sure we had your comments on the uh, um, on, on tape here, so to speak. So if you don't mind, I'll make a feature request. On <laughs> <laughs> one, and, and really, uh, it's this, which is I've noticed that this is just anecdotal, but I've noticed in my own particular demographic, we like features. And we used to have to get them by buying a big car. And uh, just because of traffic, because of concerns over fuel economy, et cetera, we all want the same amenities and the same feature, but we, li what we like them in smaller packages. That's why, for me, it's really welcome that in a sort of a Q5 mid-sized SUV package, you can get a lot of the same things I could get out of an A8 or, an, or, or a Q7, both in terms of sort of aesthetic and other uh, luxuries, but also soundproofing, as well as, a, critically, in my own case, all the electronic features and the traffic jam assist and all that, which you used to have to reach for the bigger model. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, thank you for you know being a great uh, customer of uh, <laughs> yeah, this case, well. one of our uh, product. And if you look at, for example, you know the the, the, the Volkswagen, that the, how the company was you know founded, it's a people's car, right? That's really in our philosophy to be able to actually being able to you know provide the, the best you know quality product that you know that you can access. And this goes, it's not about, you know, the question of the luxury volume and so on and so forth, but in, in, in all, like whenever I'm, I'm in discussion with any of the, 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 the brands, uh, the colleagues from different brands, they're like, you know, this like whole like DNA of, you know, be like a, trying to you know, build a, a best product and service so that we can actually kind of, you know, give you the, the, the best experience. It's always uh, universally in a person. And I'm very happy to hear that, you know, you were able to appreciate, uh, you know, uh, one of, you know, those things is, so it's not about the only the flagship and the people who can actually pay will will have those, but we, the, the uh, as soon as, you know, we can actually open that up to even, uh, you know, uh, uh, more number of, you know, customers, we are always, you know, looking into those opportunities. Great, Chuhi. It's been a real pleasure. Okay, thank you. Tech. Cars. Machines. Subscribe here or at techcarsmachines.com and gtkpartners.com.